I'm kind of the petri dish for what I'm talking about because we were dating three weeks, three to four weeks. Um, she got pregnant. Ooh. I was very excited to have some normalcy in my life. I think it was a pretty wild child for a very long period of time. We'll go into that because it's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. Yes. David? Yes. <laughs> Is that better? Yes, yeah, better. Can I still say David? Sure. Why not? Okay. It's better than David. David? <laughs> yes. I miss Ethan. I know. Me too. He would come downstairs every morning and give me a hug. Ain't nothing like a good old stepkid hug. And a good <laughs> hug, not just one of those little one-arm hugs. And sideways hugs. Oh, it was a good hugs. Those obligation hugs. No, it was a good, I love you, stepmama, you the best in the world hugs. <laughs> and if I scratch his back, he'd hug me even longer. Yeah, well, that's what got me hooked. <laughs> Scratching your back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about our guest today after I get over my sadness of Ethan being gone. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing I've noticed, though, is now that they're older, and maybe it's just because one came back and not all four of them at the same time. But, you know, used to, I'd pick them up for their, you know, week-long visitation. And like 10, 15 minutes after you got them home, it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's definitely it. <laughs> but now it's like, well, at least it was when it was just Ethan comes home and you know i never felt that way now i haven't had all four of them back home well at the same time <laughs> since they moved out yeah it's a lot calmer as they've gotten older yeah but branson he's one of those he's loud god love him he, he is loud and it's it's funny sometimes when it's not funny is usually when we're in the car because we're all in a confined space and he's sitting right behind me and, and he bust out with the loudest laugh. I used to tell him when we were, you know, driving somewhere together, I, I would tell him that it feels like he's literally taking his fist and punching me in the back of the head. That's how it feels when he busts out with that loud noise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember the last time he was here, we went and played putt-putt. And every time I'd miss mm -hmm. that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody at the putt-putt park would turn around and look at him. Yeah. He's just loud. I mean, he talks loud. Everything he does is, uh, he just has a loud voice. It carries. You said he even cried loud as he, a baby. He did. He did. I remember like all the other little, you know, kids um, in the whatever NICU or wherever we were at, you know, they're all like, wah, wah. and Brent's just like, wah, wah. it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and you had his hearing checked and that wasn't the issue. We did. I mean, cause he talked so loud all the time. It's like, we need to have his hearing checked. And I don't think he can hear very well, but no, he's just one of these kids that has a, a loud carrying voice. And I think it's also maybe somewhat the octave range. You know, some people can have that range where it just kind of is just overpowering. Mm -hmm. Even when they're whispering, it's you still hear it. Right. That's Branson. Yes. <laughs> okay, Brant's Pants, if you're listening to this, we love you, even though you're loud. <laughs> okay, so our guest today is Jordan. He, yes, we are continuing the month of men, is from Ontario, and we talk about the family court system. Oh, boy. I'm sure this is a long... And conversation 
Y'all, oh my gosh, it drives me insane. It really does. So it's not just the American family court system. No. So we are going to revamp the family court systems of the world. Okay. That's not a lofty goal. And you and I, <laughs> you and I had mentioned about maybe having like jurors. Mm-hmm. I think they should have paid jurors. They do pay them like eight dollars a day. Okay, I think they should have <laughs> professionally trained jurors. Well, here when I was talking to him, I thought of a better idea. Okay, that the judges are only allowed to be judges if they are part or have been part of a blended family. Okay, and that there are three judges. Hmm, that's interesting. You're almost talking about. Like a family Supreme Court. <laughs> they have justices. There you go. It's the family court justices. Well, something's got to happen. Yeah. Because this is ridiculous. Well, that would be like judges can only, you know, outside of the family court, if we take your scenario, that means that you can only be a judge if you've served time in prison. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe Nick's that idea. <laughs> but something definitely really needs to change with this because we talk about you have to get a lawyer and... The fees associated with that and how I even felt with the mediator we went to. But they scare you. They use scare tactics of, well... It could be worse. You better better take this. Exactly. I mean, the whole court system is like going to a casino. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, I really try to put myself in their shoes to understand this because, you know, it's not that I disagree with them because it could get worse. Because if you say, well, I'm not taking that deal, and then you walk out with something a lot worse, you know, you do kind of want them to tell you, well, you might walk out of here with something worse. Yeah, but it's like most things in life. <laughs> There's so many backroom handshake deals and it's a way, racket. ways around everything. All right. <laughs> Let's take a deep breath and nacho. <sighs> nacho, the family court system right now. Okay. So, Jordan is a youth worker for 16 to 24-year-olds. Oh, wow. So 24 is still youth? So I'm not that old? Well, I don't know. Maybe in Canada they consider that youth because their brain hadn't fully developed. (laughs) (laughs) You're not that old. (laughs) I'm I'm just double the youth. (laughs) He has a bio daughter, seven, that he gets every other weekend. And one day during the week for a few hours. Mm -hmm. And that is part of this issue, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, he has to pick his daughter up at a certain time. By the time he gets her to his house, he has like an hour, hour and a half, to cook supper, feed her, and get back on the road to get her to a mama's on time. So you're not really spending any time with her? No. But at the same time, if you were to give me five minutes to see my kid, I would have done it. Right. So Jordan was asking for more time. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, his ex is trying to get back child support from a couple years ago or something. Okay. He wants more time with his daughter. And I applaud him for that. And it it sucks that people can't do that for whatever reason. You know, I was fortunate that I got the kids most of the time initially when the divorce happened. And Mm -hmm. then I ended up going to 50-50. So I never got less than 50-50. I won't say why, but it's probably had to do with some things I said. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. Did I mention that Jordan has a baby? Uh-uh. Yeah, Jordan and his girlfriend have a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. So the bio daughter, you know, wants to spend time with the baby at night. And so that's another thing of, 
oh, it's time to put the baby to bed. Bio daughter can't help put the baby to bed because they got to jump in the car and go to bio mom's. Right. He was late a couple times and got a letter from the attorney. No, don't do that again. Oh, come on. Yeah. The really crazy part of all this, though, is I wonder if we never met Jordan and we had bio mom on here. We would be like, I can't believe he don't pay child support. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all you, it's all dependent upon the side that you're listening to. But, this but here's is, the thing, and I don't know the family court system in Canada. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here, if you lose a job or you're making less money, you can go back to court and ask for a reduction for a temporary time or permanently based off the situation. Okay. But who knows? Like you said, they may go, We'll give you a reduction for three months, and then it goes back to what you have the potential of making. Okay. They could also look at it as Jordan chose to take a lesser-paying job because he was making, say, $100,000 a year, but that's not what he wanted to continue to do. Now what he's doing, he's only making just, say, $20,000 a year, which I know my numbers aren't right. but I mean, are the numbers based on what you, quote-unquote, can be making, or are they based on what you were making at the time of divorce? Who knows? They went off what I was making 15 years ago. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, where do they come up with these numbers from? Because what if what if child support is based on the amount of money that I'm making at the time, and then five years later, I'm making a lot less money because of circumstances? Maybe the job I had went overseas. or well, I mean, there's well, all kinds. Of- that's when you go to court and you roll those dice, David. It is definitely a dice roll. You roll those dice. Well, the interesting part of the whole interview, actually the whole month, is... We get to hear what a lot of this mess is like from the male's perspective, the dad, the stepdad perspective, which we don't often get. We hear a lot of bio moms and stepmoms. I wish I wish he talked to me more. I wish I knew what was going through his head. I wish I knew how he felt. Well, you know how Jordan became a guest on our podcast? How? His girlfriend told him that he should. Oh, there you go. But he said that he was thankful for the platform to do so. Uh, yeah, yeah. But also with his job, he's used to talking about things like this. Yeah. You know, he doesn't talk about this stuff with the kids, of course. But right. He's just used to being in that. Talking. Right. Right. Well, we are starting to see, and there are other um, coaches out there doing this, they're starting to see a, a, a mo- I don't say a movement, but we're starting to see more men, mostly stepdads and, and, and some bio dads that are in step families. We're starting to see them coming toward this type of, platform for help it's because of covid it's driving everybody crazy yeah so um i've seen some people posting on facebook and other places you know they're they're trying to get help or they're looking for help or or they're looking for guidance and coaching i think sometimes it's not even help it's like i just want this is what i've got going on what do you guys think Mm -hmm. tell me something people tell me something um but i think too we're seeing what stepmoms have been doing for a while is they're looking for that structured coaching or therapist or somebody who can really give you good, solid advice based on training and professional uh, help. Not just, well, if it was me. <laughs> yeah, which we do offer one-on-one coaching, but we don't really market that. It's kind of a, if you want us to, we can see if it's a fit. Right. But yeah. I also want to say... So we can wrap this up, Dave, because you could keep talking. Sorry. Is Jordan was a stepdad before. Hmm. So it gave him a lot of insight on what his girlfriend is feeling. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. So what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you? I was going to say, let's get to the interview. 
No, you were not. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, let's get to getting. All right. So first, let's hear a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have not a stepmom and not a stepdad, but a bio dad, Jordan from Ontario. Hello. Hey, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Good. So, how old are your kids? My uh, daughter is seven and my son's one. He just turned one in November. So, it's been busy around here in these parts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, is your son with your significant other now? Yeah, I'll explain. So, okay. That should be easy to explain, right? Um, not for me, though, I guess. Uh, so, how am I explain this? The girlfriend I'm with now, my son's with with her, and that's and uh, he's one. And then my uh, ex, I, I share with a seven year old who's a who's a girl. Okay, that explains it. We would refer to your bio son as an hours kid. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's the visitation schedule like with your daughter? So my daughter, it's every other weekend, and on the on the, so let's say I, I'd pick her up from school on Friday and then I would return her Sunday night. And for the week that proceeds, if I, if I had her that weekend, the week, like the weekdays, I would have her just the Tuesday on the weekdays that I don't have her on the weekend. I would have her Tuesday and Thursday and I would have her from after school. So like a four o'clock to six thirty. Okay. Yeah. Which is, is, which is challenging in and of itself to to, I guess we'll get on that top, but to pick her up because I'm usually done work around four. So I got to get there at 430, pick her up, get her home, try to cook a decent meal. Because of course with Steph, we, we have a one-year-old, so she's kind of taking care of him primarily while I'm trying to cook a meal. So it's just busy, very hectic. And currently right now I'm trying to get a little more time on those Tuesdays and Thursdays, like overnights, which has been quite the challenge. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge to try to get home and do everything and then take the kid back. What time do you normally take her back? Eight? Six thirty. What? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we are, <laughs> how do I say it? So I, it's not that I want to, um, but I, I've been dictated um, by the court to return her at six thirty, and it has to be six thirty. There used to be a little bit of leeway, um, especially since uh, my son, he goes to bed around 637. So of course, my daughter who doesn't see him as often as she would probably like to see him, she wants to put him to bed. So hard to look at your seven year old and say, I'm sorry, hon, but we can't, you can't say, well, the court dictates <laughs> that I have to have your back. But yeah, you can't do that, of course. So she can't, she doesn't understand that fully. So I say, yeah, sure. Right. And then I would, I would uh, text my ex to say, look, we're going to be running a little bit late. And I take her back by seven, you know, uh, her bedtime's not eight till eight o'clock anyway. So I think in my opinion, an hour is a lot enough time to get her to bed and, and she's already fed and right. so forth. But anyway, um, I, I, I received a letter from the, the lawyer to say that, nope, 630 <laughs> and you need to maintain 630 no matter what, in less kind words, to be quite honest. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I could really spend hours and hours and hours talking about the court system. Yeah. It disgusts me. It's, did you want me to speak on that? <laughs> Go ahead, because I'm going to tell you something. When I say this, I've won in court. All my cases, I've won. He's yeah. had to pay 
my attorney's fees, not all of them, but most mm-hmm. of them. But I say that from a place of winning, right. which is sad, yeah. but it really disgusts me. It's tough. And, and to me, you know, it's a sexist system, uh, specifically in Ontario. I can't speak for, for the states. I don't know what it looks like state to state. But to me, like, you know, like feminism as purest form was because women were oppressed and women wanted equal rights. I mean, that's, that's, that's my definition. At least that's what I take it. And anyone who's can uh, challenge me or correct me on that, I apologize. <laughs> that's, just my, <laughs> that's just my definition of the equal rights women were oppressed and can continue to be so. And I totally understand that. But it's almost a disservice to women at the same time is to say men need to start off in the court as a defendant. Men shouldn't be that empathetic, compassionate, caring figure. Men need to shut up, go to work and pay child support. And that's what it feels like. And, and it does a disservice to women because women have been told a different story for a long time, which is shut up and, you know, and cook and take care of your kids. And women want to go in the, want to go in the work field and they want to do all these sort of things. So that's why I say it does a disservice because it, mm-hmm. it's dictating gender roles. And I'm not one way or the other. I understand gender roles. My, my daughter plays with Barbies because she loved Barbies. There was no, <laughs> there was no influence on my part. Trust me, because I got to play Barbie. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't influence that. That's just a natural inclination towards her, her, her gender, right? And, but, you know, so I'm not, I'm dancing around a whole sort of thing here that I don't want to say anything wrong, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I understand that, but you should be able to challenge yourself and you shouldn't, especially in the, in the court of law, which is supposed to be the balance of justice where everyone is colorblind. It's not about race or sex. But then when I walk into a courtroom, it's 65% for the mother for uh, access and 35 for you and you're going to pay by default. And in, in my case, I make, so I'm a social service worker and I'm, I'm, it's embarrassing to admit. It's funny when you got to do a financial report <laughs> for, there's nothing more depressing than actually having to sit down to your own financial report. Cause I'm telling you, but I, I don't make a lot of money. I'll just say that. And, and my ex makes a lot of money and fantastic for her, but I still have to pay a guideline amount and also on top of that, not see my child as, as often as I would like to see. Like, I, I would love to see the courts start with 50-50. I'm not. And I understand, like, that uh, stereotypes sometimes happen for a good reason. A lot of men don't want that. They want to go to work and they want to shut up and they want to pay child support. But there are men that don't want to, you know, they obviously want to go to work, but we want to have our children equally. And at least start with that stance and everything else be subjective. But start there, you know. And if I, if the man or woman has there's abuse issues or there's other factors that come into play, then adjust accordingly. But to start on the defense and and in particular in my situation, and I'll just talk about it um, with my partner at at the time, I'm talking about um, who I shared a seven-year-old with um, we were dating. We weren't, we weren't in a committed relationship. So I'm kind of the Petri dish for what I'm talking about because we were dating three weeks, three to four weeks. um, She got pregnant. Ooh. I was very excited to have some normalcy in my life. I think it was a pretty wild child for a very long period of time. We'll go into that because it's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you might have to take up a whole series for that. But yeah, anyway, I got my life together and I, and I welcomed it. It was something that was that normal that I was looking for, right? Okay, I'm having this baby with this beautiful woman. It was fantastic. So I think I made a lot of promises and I did a lot of things that I thought were right in the moment. And I think she holds a lot of anger towards that. Um, but saying that we were we were dating so my daughter's only ever known two homes i'm not coming into the court after a 10-year relationship saying i want to pluck her out and move her into a home 50 50 because i can understand that and i can also understand which i did i, I took a lot of I, t- I sacrificed a lot of my own time because 
because I do believe when children are young, they should be with their moms if, if it's possible. And I do believe in that connection and I, and I think it's real and I witness it and, and I want, I want that to be that way. But when a child starts to advocate for themselves or communicate, which my daughter has, I want to spend more time with you. You know, I want to spend more time. Then there should be some subjectivity and there should be conversations. I shouldn't have to pay a lawyer a very large amount just to defend myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what it feels like as a man. <laughs> we are defendants. Yes. And I get that. My son's father and I, kind of the same situation with you and your ex, except for we were together about four years. And I found out I was pregnant basically the day after our relationship ended. Right. And so straight out of the gate, we were in court. Yeah. And my son has only known two homes. He's never known us together. Right. Yeah. Now, I will say, mm -hmm. of course, from my standpoint, I'm thinking, thank God they didn't give him more than every other weekend. Sure. Yeah. I have my reasons for that, and yeah. they have been, just been justified throughout the years. <laughs> yeah. Even the court system has said that he does not get any more time with him unless a psychiatrist or psychologist says that my son needs that. Yeah. So there are different situations, and we understand that. Absolutely. And that's what I mean, that's subjectivity. So what I mean by that is that you're, you're coming in with, with uh, if you have proof that that, that other, the, the other person shouldn't be uh, 50%, and absolutely. Right. Or shouldn't, have or shouldn't have access at all. Right. Those situations are right, absolutely. But if you have a track record of being a healthy, consistent parent, I think then at that point, uh, it has to be looked at. So, and, and and on top of that, when the child is is communicating, right? And of course, it's very difficult. I understand a seven-year-old communicating. They're going to say one thing to one parent, the other to the other. It just needs to be brought to the surface. And a lot of times you can't even get to that point in court that any of these topics are discussed. It's, I'll give you a quote unquote what my lawyer told me. Okay. I just had gotten out of school when my ex got pregnant. So I, I was changing my life. I was changing my career. And of course, that comes with a lot of sacrifice financially. High school or college? Uh, I went back to college. Okay. And I wanted to help people. Okay. Uh, and before that, I was in construction. So I was making a lot more money. So I went back to school. And when I came out, I, I kind of had to rebuild my career. So short story here, but I'm, I'm financially more secure now. Mm -hmm. But the period in which I wasn't, which I was kind of, you know, you kind of have to pay your dues and you got to work shift work. And I was, I was making something like $12 an hour, you know, and, and it was part-time, but I worked extra hours. It was just a big old mess financially. She's going back in time now to, to ask for back child support during that period of time. And the, the words of my lawyer is that's, that's going to be a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. And now, and this is why I say sexist because now if, if I was on the other side, right. And if I'm the man restricting access to my ex and I'm making upwards of 250 to 300,000 a year, and I'm trying to get my ex who's making 25,000 a year to pay me back child support <laughs> during that period of time, I'll be laughed right out of court. Right. So why then do I come in as, as a man and it's, it's a slam dunk and, and it's no fault to my lawyer. She's not saying that. Um, she's just saying that's reality. This is what you, and a good lawyer will tell you, this is, <laughs> this is what you're facing, but it's very discouraging right? to have to face that. I know I, I complain all the time about the court system and I wish that I could revamp the family court system, not just in the United States now, but now in Canada too. <laughs> <laughs> well, come down here, please. It shouldn't be that you have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get your kid for an extra hour or so. Absolutely. Where are the systems in place to sort of, to, to now? I'm sure, you know, I don't like to speak on systems. Like I, 
or organizations or speak on anybody's behalf because I know there's more to it than, than, than you'll ever see from the outside. I'm sure there are all sorts of reasons why it is the way it is, but there's got to be something in place where you can at least get free mediation to have these conversations that then are brought forth to court if necessary. Right. Um, or something like that, you know, where we don't have to spend, because I mean, and we see it in other systems, right? Other, other court systems where if you don't have the money, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to be well represented. In fact, you might not even get to family court because you can't afford to. For years, I thought that I was getting a raw end of the deal, but I, like I said, I went back to, went back to school. I was changing my career. I didn't have the money to do so. Um, and in Ontario right now, and this, this is even more frustrating. So we have a thing called like duty council, mm -hmm. which I don't know if that's the same, uh, in the States, but it's basically, you know, rep you're represented by someone for free. Okay. Um, so what you used to be able to do was you, you would have to fill out in family court, you could fill out your forms, your affidavits, and, but you could go to court and you could be represented by this free lawyer for okay. better word. Now they changed that where you have to now make under a certain amount of money. I think it's something like per uh, a year. So I think it's $22,000. So if mm -hmm. you don't make under that, you cannot get this representation for court proceedings. So yes, there's a, there's, it's, that's, <laughs> that's great. Well, but from 22,000 to about pretty high number, I could, I could just, I'm just guessing here, but about 60,000 a year, it's very difficult within there, there to afford a lawyer yeah. for anyone. Cause I did that for the first time I represented myself, but I could at least have this free lawyer. Right. So I did all the paperwork, but I could show up and I, I would talk to him for about an hour before the proceedings went on and he would represent me. Not well, <laughs> but he would represent me well enough, but now they got, they've even taken that out. Right. It's frustrating. It's like it's a racket. It's like it's a racket for sure. You have to pay the attorney. Mm -hmm. Then you have to pay for the mediator. <laughs> and while you're paying for that mediator to sit there, yeah. you're also paying your attorney. <laughs> right. So you're looking at anywhere, just say on average, 700 bucks yeah. an hour to mediate. Yeah. And one thing that frustrates me too, we should be able to go in this court system and represent ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. We should not have to have an attorney. The judge needs to hear, in my opinion, mm -hmm. straight from the horse's mouth. Absolutely. An attorney represents you based off their feelings. They might be having a crappy day. Exactly. And they don't care as much about your case because they've got 20 other cases. Right. I was just about to say that. Yeah. And then the attorneys get into this match thing to where they're just running up the bills with each other. Oh, yeah. But then they go have beer together after work. <laughs> Yeah, And then you've got a judge that's sitting there that we don't know his history. No. He may have had a wife that cheated on him. Yeah, absolutely. He may not like kids at all. Yes. He may prefer blondes over brunettes. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. There's just so much that, oh, it just drives me crazy. Well, yeah. And then, and I've had those situations with, um, with my, my lawyer currently, like you're, I, I've had to sit in the background quietly gritting my teeth because everything that I emailed or we talked about before the court date maybe didn't get brought up. Right. What I really wanted to, to have said, and it's, it's really, I'm not angry at the lawyer. I mean, like you said, she's got 20, 25 other cases. It could be, she didn't get her coffee in the morning and her own kids kept her up all night. And you just don't know. But like, like you said, you need to be able to have a fair representation of yourself and you don't always get that opportunity to speak and get to the heart of it. Mm -hmm. So now you're like, you're right. And then you're just stuck in between the, the lawyer language as a bystander, sometimes thinking, oh, this is nothing I wanted <laughs> to have talked about. You're not getting to the point and it's happening. Right. So, you know. Yeah. It's like, you need to bring up these key points, but they may say, well, I know that that's going to be useless to bring up. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I don't know that. Yeah, exactly. And we need to discuss that beforehand. Yeah. And I'd really appreciate if you would prepare for my case properly <laughs> and not ask me the same question that you asked me two weeks ago that I responded to. Are you, you're familiar with <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Preacher the choir, and I know, right? It's a human element. And I know because we all sit, I sit in my job. I do a pretty important job with youth. And sometimes I'm having off days. And sometimes I'm having days where I could care less. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's a human element. And you could be catching them on one of those days or you don't know, they don't know enough about it or who knows. So I agree. Like there should be some sort of circumvention with the judge without lawyers present or with lawyers present or just something, a statement that's made or who knows. Yeah. Or give each person five minutes. Or give each person five minutes. Yeah. And there's no need to make a trial for three days. No. Come no, on. I know, right? My husband and I had talked about how we think that it should almost be like a jury. Mm-hmm. You've got 12 people. Yeah. That's better than having one judge. Oh, absolutely. That's making this decision about your life. Well, and you don't know why they're decided to be that in the family court system. A lot of times they've had poor experience. A lot of lawyers have had men who are married to men or divorced to men who weren't the greatest. <laughs> and those mm-hmm. you don't know what they're they're thinking where you're coming. I've had I had uh, a few uh, what do you call them? I don't know meetings. You know when you, for your first time you meet with a lawyer. I'm, I'm, there's a term for it consultation consultation. That's it. So I've had a few consultations where I had a completely bad energy. When sometimes if I'm talking about my case and you don't know who I am, you might think, well, he doesn't want to pay back child support. He doesn't want it. <laughs> you don't know the whole story, right? So I felt a few times that I was like, ah, I wonder if this person had a poor experience. And I'm not saying they did, but it felt like I was already, like my own lawyer would have been uh, biased against me in a sense. Right. And didn't really understand my cause. And they're not going to tell you, oh, I don't want to take your case. No. And they might not say that. Mm-hmm. I really want a lawyer to want to fight for me or it's kind of pointless. you know. And- I've been in court since before he was born mm-hmm. and I've been through several attorneys, not because, well, a few of them were because I didn't like the attorney. Mm-hmm. But one of them actually became a judge. Oh, yeah. And this attorney is actually a friend of my son's father's father. Okay. But I still went to him Mm -hmm. because I was like, we can do this amicably. Right. Yeah. He left out so much in my court papers that I didn't know should have been in there. Right. There were too many gray areas. Mm -hmm. And he thinks in his head, everybody can just get along. No, you have high conflict exes. Yeah, you do. And you have to be specific. Oh, absolutely. So, of course, you know, I couldn't use him again. But I would say that I've had one attorney out of four, I think it is, Mm -hmm. that I really felt like cared. Right, yeah. And that's sad. And that's not good. That's not a good percentage, no. No. When I I was back in school, I was able to, I was under that 22,000 mark, right? Of course, I was making no income. Um, and I, and the lawyer that I received from it, they call, they call it like a legal aid certificate, which basically mm-hmm. was the best one I had <laughs> <That's scary. laughs> the free one. Yeah. So like, and that speaks volumes to my path really with, I've had, I've had multiple consultations and, and the free one was the best one. So right. yeah, I don't know. I just had a brilliant idea. <laughs> the family court system mm-hmm. should only have judges that are part of blended families. Well, that would, that would be great. And you should have three judges. Oh, I always love that. For every case, because you need that diversity. Yeah. If you've never been in a blended family or dealt with a 
ex that's high conflict, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. going to think everybody can get along. Yeah. And here's the thing in the States, they say, if you end up in court and you can't come to an agreement, nobody's going to win. Yes, <laughs> right. And it's the same thing over there. Yeah. So you're going to punish me because my ex. Yeah. Well, isn't that fair? Yeah. And well, custody in, in Ontario. Well, I just, just to be clear, and I'm sure you know, but like custody is decision-making in Ontario and access is what a lot of people think custody is. And then what I thought custody was when I first got into this, but custody isn't, isn't time with a child access is. So when I'm talking about custody, it's decision-making. And I was point blank told, well, your ex, your ex isn't going to communicate with you. So she just gets full custody. <laughs> okay. So I have no, and I've had no decision-making in my own child's life because she won't talk to me. So yeah. So how is that? And, and to your point, again, with the court system, well, we can't solve this for you guys, but yeah, your ex doesn't want to solve anything. So you're screwed. And that, <laughs> that's what right. it feels like. How does that work? I, and, you know, like, okay, well, what exactly do you do up there? <laughs> right. In in one of the many cases that we've had, the judge ordered us to go to counseling together. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I knew that was going to be a waste of time, but okay, I'm, I'm going to do what you tell me to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I really went with hopes that this would improve the, quote, co-parenting relationship. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it would be willing partners, you know, they want to, yeah. Yeah, I subpoenaed the counselor, and he basically got on the stand and said, Lori was there with hopes of being able to have a better parenting relationship with him. Mm-hmm. He was there because y'all made him go. Oh, there you go. So did that help you in your case? Yes. Yeah, that's good. And here's something else that's kind of funny. The county that I lived in when I had my son, we had basically rotated through all the judges and none of them favored my son's father. So when I moved to a different county, right, he decided he wanted to change the venue. <laughs> yeah. Why is he allowed to change the venue? To Ace County, he doesn't even live in. That, that happened. Well, yeah, it did happen. Yeah. And come to find out, he his dad was even better friends with another attorney in the town I moved to. And where's the uh, investigation? <laughs> why? Where's the question? Why does he want to change county? You know, yeah, that's just. Right. Because if he's saying that it's for my benefit, mm-hmm. come on now. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. But it drives me insane. It really does. And I read a Facebook post earlier this morning. That broke my heart. It said that this guy had 50-50 of his kid. Mm-hmm. He wanted more time with the kid. Mm-hmm. Goes to court and lost his 50%. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Was there any reason they gave well, was it? apparently they had asked the judge to recuse himself because of some other issues in the past. Okay. So basically, they pissed the judge off. Right. Yeah, that's too much. Like you said, too much power. And, and- yeah. And, and some people are saying in that post, they're like, Oh, there's got to be more to the story. Your husband or fiance must be a drug addict. Or, mm-hmm. Of course. And I'm like, no, no. people, I've no. seen this crap myself. Yeah. Well, people have a tendency to not believe what they what they don't see, right? And and if you haven't experienced it, people don't believe it. And they just, I don't know. We all do that, I think, to some extent. We just think, well, like, the world can't be that shitty. <laughs> like, yeah. And it is, though. And people make really poor decisions that you wouldn't expect them to make. Right. And I'm not a gambler. I never have been. Same. But the family court system is like going to the casino. Yeah. You never know. No. A lot of times you don't win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I had a mediator one time that basically scared me oh. into agreeing to an offer. Oh, really? 
Yeah, because they say, well, you know, I've seen judges do this and I've seen judges do that, but they're never telling you the positive. Right. Yeah. You know, so they're saying, you know, their job is to basically keep you from going to the judge. Yeah. For a hearing. Right. So if they can convince you that you've got pretty much a losing chance, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even though your attorney's told you it's a slam dunk. Right. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, that's not that's not a pure motivation, right, to help you. Yeah, we got to figure out a way to change this. <laughs> we do, you know, and I've I've thought about that, and I've 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 had discussions. There's there's all sorts of reform um, groups, and part of me, I said I've said to my girlfriend, uh, I just I don't know. Like I I think when when I get when I'm when I'm through this, part of me wants to fight. Part of me wants to be this advocate. Part of me just wants to not do it anymore. I just don't, the, the energy around it, right. is so negative and it, and it draws you in no matter how hard you try not to, you know, I've had so many conversations here just about like, we're, we're not going to have a bad day today. <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about it today. How many times have uh, my ex name come up and I said, no, you know, it's like, it's like, um, Voldemort from Lord of the Rings. I don't mm-hmm. know. You get, <laughs> just don't speak it. Cause every time it gets brought right. But, and just experience that for years. Like I've been fighting for seven years in and out. You just, I don't know, like you want to change. Then I think a lot, what happens probably a lot of people that could promote that sort of change, they probably get to the end of it much like myself and say, I just don't, I just don't want to waste my energy, not waste, but I just don't want to be part of it because it's so frustrating. And, you know, the people that could maybe get together and band together, they just don't because it's just like, I don't want to take it on. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's draining emotionally. Yeah. Not to say even financially. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's kind of like these stepmom groups or stepfamily groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. The only people in there are usually the ones that are struggling. The ones that have succeeded in blending or are no yeah. longer are struggling in the blend are gone. Right. Exactly. They don't want to read that crap. <laughs> they're, just, they're just, they're over it. I think they're just over it. And the ones that aren't, perhaps they're not always that. Like, I know, I don't want to speak on everyone who's involved in the reform on it, but I have a very limited experience, but what I have experienced in them, it's called uh, the men's reform. There's a, uh, there's groups, right? Of course, mm-hmm. coming from situations like mine and they want to make change. I applaud them on that. I don't know if I want to hang out with them and <laughs> just be mm-hmm. honest. Like a lot of it from what I've witnessed, this is just not a very healthy situation to want to take part in. I think a lot of healthy people might want to shout, uh, not healthy, but you know what I mean? Don't want to, don't want to involve themselves. Right, because you're going to take time away from your kid to do yep. this, more than likely. And even if you don't physically have your child at that point, when you visit with the child, you probably have things on your mind. Yeah, I remember having a great day one day at work and pick my son up from daycare and just, you know, we're both just happy as can be. And I go to the mailbox and there's a letter from my attorney. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I get those emails, right? And I say, oh, no, I don't even want to open it. It uh, makes you sick. It does. There's never anything good in there. No, <laughs> there's never anything like, Hey, you're doing a great job. <laughs> right. <laughs> but do we want to pay them $300 an hour to tell us we're doing a great job? <laughs> you're going to get more time. No, it's always yeah. oh, it's just, and you know, it's always something. So yeah, it's just, do you want to, do you want to participate? And then, you know, I'm in, I just turned 40, you know, you start to get, I, I call it like the other side of life. And then you start, mm-hmm. you know, the losing side of stuff. Terrible. <laughs> but like you, you start to get more perspective on how many years you have. I'm not that old, but you know, like 40, I 40 hit and I was like, do I want to spend the hours in my day? Like I'm a musician, dude. Do I want to spend the four hours in a, in a group 
trying to come up with legislation because really the only way to fight this is with lawyers, right? Like, and mm-hmm. um, do I want to be participating in this for four hours or do I want to play this Jimi Hendrix tune? <laughs> you get to the point right. where it's just, it's not really what you want to do. And, and bravo to people who do because it's necessary. But I think you get you get to that point in life where you just make decisions based on really what you want to do and like where you want to put your energy in. Right. You might not want to put it there. Yeah, and the older you get, you avoid stress at all costs. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, because you don't want to add it on to the stress you already have. <laughs> right. We laugh because I say I nacho Walmart. I do. It stresses me out to go in Walmart. People are rude. Oh, man. Stuff's not even on the shelf where it's supposed to be. No. The prices are never right. And then you go to check out and you got somebody that you can tell they hate their life. And, you know, there should be a driver's course to get your license. And there should be a driver's course to, to be able to operate a cart. Yes. I'm always really angry at how people just can't seem to like move that cart in the proper direction. <laughs> like, yeah. Out of my way, please. Or like, you're too close to me. <laughs> or you say, excuse me. And they're like, Ugh. Attitude. Yeah. But thank God for Nacho because it really has helped me so much in my life. I bet. Where if somebody responds to me that way, I no longer think bad thoughts about them. <laughs> I think, mm, I feel sorry for them or I'm sympathetic towards them because they're obviously got some issues. Yeah, so you got something going on. Yeah. Yeah. And we all do. Yeah. We- in some way or another, nobody's life is perfect. No, no. But who knows? They might have had to go to court that day. Right. Exactly. With the family court system, as wonderful as it is. <laughs> No wonder they're so upset. Yeah. No. Yeah. I know you try to aspire to understand everything comes from something. There's always a source. Yeah. Behind someone. Sometimes not. Sometimes people are just jerks. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes. So let's get to your girlfriend and your bio daughter for a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's the relationship like with them? Careful waters as I know she's going to be. I'm just joking. joking. Uh, It's it's wonderful. Uh, I think we get it. We both are in a field that we aspired to be in, which is which is helping people. So I was selling cars. Cars would be my thing. I I, I know people, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. profession isn't I'm in is to know people. She knows people. We know what kind of works and what doesn't work. At least we like we're self aware enough to kind of not fall into those traps. It's really great. Yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot of. Not a lot of any like anything with with stress when it comes to parenting. I feel like I feel like we resolve a lot of things before they could get to the point where they they could go bad. If that's I'm kind of rambling on at this point. Is that what you're asking? No, you're you're good. <laughs> I know that a lot of stepmoms come in, which we're going to say your girlfriend's a stepmom. Mm-hmm. Yep. They come in and they want to fix everything. Mm-hmm. For instance, just say you were letting bio daughter seven stay up till 10 o'clock at night. Right. And yeah. your girlfriend thinks that's ridiculous that she's seven. She should be in bed by eight. Yeah. And so there's this conflict. Yeah. But then a lot of times the bio parent has this guilty parent syndrome mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they don't want to make their kid go to bed early. They want to spend as much time with them as they can. Right. Yeah. And so it causes this tension in the home. I'm fortunate enough to have a very easygoing partner on all aspects of life. And that works for me because I, I wouldn't be with her if it didn't. I'm not a person that you try to change. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. I've, I've been in a lot of relationships um, where I've been told or had sort of things brought up that I was maybe forced into doing. You know, I just, I'm stubborn. <laughs> mm-hmm. I and, and, and I know, how do I say this? <laughs> I'm just stubborn. Yeah. But like, but we get along so well, even if we weren't parenting, like we just do, we don't, we don't even argue really. Like the, our, our biggest arguments are we both look at each other. We know we're not agreeing on this point. And then I go watch TV and she goes and reads books. There you go. You know what I mean? And then, then we wake up in the morning and I could see that she's a little sad and, uh, 
and I just say, Hey, let's, let's just chat quick about it. And that's, and that's it. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I just think we both know I've been in lots of failed relationships and uh, I've learned from them. So I just think we're there. Uh, but, but there is that though, on some extent, I think the expectation part I struggle with because, because she's not a parent of a, of a seven-year-old, mm-hmm. I think there are expectations that she has for her that aren't, how do I say? <laughs> realistic, 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 and not from a place, not from a motive, like not from a place of to be argumentative, like with me to challenge me on certain aspects and, she, and rarely does it happen. But there's things I always say to her, I'm like, just wait for it. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say yeah. is we laugh so much because, you know, David's kids were just say 14 and he would fix their breakfast for them or whatever. And I'm like, my gosh, they're 14 years old. They need to fix their own breakfast. And, yeah. and again, my expectations for them were really high. Right. But here's my son when he turns 14. And I'm like, oh, sweet baby, what do you want mommy to fix you for breakfast? <laughs> and, and we're off all a little bit. I know my daughter's got me wrapped around. Mm-hmm. I know she does. I'm totally aware of it. But if you question me on that, my teeth just come right out. Right. Like, and, and, and I know I have to take a step back and go, and they don't come like out verbally. Cause I, it's in my head though. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. <laughs> don't be questioned. I love that girl. And, and, and I mean, Steph, I've had, we've had conversations about it. I said, it's hard for me to know that you'll never love my daughter. Like I love my daughter. And it's not that she won't love my daughter or doesn't already. It just won't be that she knows now because she has a son with me and she loves him like that. So I think that's, that's finding that balance in there. Cause I'm not hundred percent correct. Cause she's got me wrapped, but then the expectations are a little higher. Sometimes, I mean, we had some conflict and I apologize, Steph, don't turn, turn off the podcast. For <laughs> I'm just joking, but we've had some uh, conflicts about like, um, she was sleeping in my bed. I think that that was a big one. And I think Steph's expectations around that were that she shouldn't. And, mm-hmm. and it's not that she didn't get it. She just sort of has certain expectations. We didn't argue about it. It was a place of like, we talked about it often. And where my viewpoint was that I've only had my daughter on a limited basis um, in fact, I had to fight for her just to get sleepovers. And when this little sweet little girl at four years old looks up at me with those big round eyes and says, daddy, can I sleep in your bed? <laughs> it's hard. And I agreed at the same time. I said, you're right. And it wasn't that she slept the whole night because octopus arms and legs, like I, I can't always do that. <laughs> but I would bring her to her bed when she fell asleep. And to be honest with myself, it was easier a lot of times because mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be a bit of a uh, struggle because I would have to get her in her own bed and then she would come out like there was going to be a bit of work for me to do to kind of mm-hmm. get that separation because she never had it but anyway to the point is that she had a certain viewpoint and I did and, and we kind of had some conflict there and I'd been in the other situation so I was a step parent you know and and I did the same thing and I'm not saying step does it because I did it in a much more conf- confrontational way mm-hmm. I think more often than not because stress Steph's just a great person that she'll bite her lip on many things. And she does understand my side. Me, I just, I was in relationships where I just straight up, you know, I don't agree with the way your parent, I wouldn't say that, but I would just come right, right to it. So I understand it on the other side. You'd be like, that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to regret that. You better change it now. Oh yeah. Big time. Right. Cause I had no, I had no perspective. I remember sitting at the kitchen table with my ex's four-year-old. And I remember that four-year-old throwing a fork across the uh, dining room. And I said, dinner's over. Like in my head, I thought that's, you don't do that. I never did that. Mm-hmm. But that's not really fair for me to project expectations on this four-year-old. She didn't, I would never do that because I don't know. <laughs> this just wouldn't happen. Never did I ever throw a fork across any time. And I thought, well, that's awful. You know, and I remember vocalizing it, you know, so like I understand the other side. I do. And if anything, she's great at it. It's just, it's hard. Well, there's two things that you mentioned. One of them was the comment of she will never love your bio daughter like she does your son. Yeah. 
I am so proud of you and so glad that you realize that it's not that she doesn't love her. It's not that she doesn't want to love her. No. It's just not. No, exactly. Do you think that's because you were a step parent that you understand that more? Uh, yeah, I think that plays plays into it. I think it's just the self-awareness. And then sometimes you, you'll see... I don't know, just certain behaviors, um, let's say from Steph, there's certain interactions. I think I just, it's just some self-awareness just to view it and to see it on the other side. But I guess it would, yeah, it did, did give me perspective from the other side, but I think it's more, I just witness it, you know, I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a person that really pays attention to other people, like, and how they're feeling and interactions and, and stuff like that. And Steph, hundred percent, I, I know she tries and I know she loves loves her on a different it's a different thing but i can notice it's just different it's just different and especially with our son and i I hate saying this because i don't mean this to be in a to take it the wrong way but i can see her interact with my son differently right so i mean it's not you know it's it's icky to talk about because it's not i don't want her to perceive that as i that she treats him differently out, out of a space where she is intentionally doing that, but it's different, right? Like it's that's her baby. That's her baby. It's just different. It's just, and it is, and it, and then you can get into a step parent role, and I think she, you aspire to have that deeper connection. But there's just so much that goes with that deep connection mm-hmm. that you just weren't there for, right? And you know, so like I see that, right? I just, I just witness it. Now, how long have you and Steph been together? Just under three years. Okay, we're pretty new. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that she won't end up having a great relationship with your daughter. No. And she does. And she does. You know, she has a fantastic relationship. My daughter loves her. And that's my daughter, right, though, is, is loves everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, I, and I honestly, you know, there's always that fear before they meet. And I'm usually a parent of like I uh, six months. I've always had that kind of rule. Um, Steph kind of broke that rule, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, she just did. I just knew. I said, this person's going to be around. Mm-hmm. I think you just get there, right? I, I was 37. At the time, I knew what I wanted. I knew. I just knew it was working. And I kind of broke my rule a little bit there. But before she met, of course, she like we talked and she was worried about what's that going to what's that gonna be like? And I'm like, my daughter loves everybody. <laughs> as long as you treat her fair. And anyway, so they have an amazing relationship. So that's why I mean, I didn't want to, as well as I said, icky. I don't want to take away from that. Right. And I don't want it to be misperceived. It's, it's it's wonderful. And she loves her. It's just never, I shouldn't say never, because it can develop and stuff. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just, it's it's not the same and that's okay. Right. You know, and she understands that. And we, like I said, we've talked about it and it does make, it makes her a little sad, but she, she totally understands now. Right. And you can't make yourself love somebody. No. If you could, we would not all be in blended relationships because we'd still be with the person we were with. That's right. And we tried, you know, only I think all of us in relationships have tried at one point to make it, make it happen. In fact, then it just works against it. Right. And, and you know, I think you have to let, let, the, let things just develop. Yes. Naturally. And you have to let the child lead it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times we see in the Facebook groups where the dad tells the stepmom, if you don't love my kid like your own, right. we're getting divorced. Oh, I know. What? Okay. Well, if that's the case, then you better love my mama like your own. It's just unrealistic. Ultimatums. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know, like I, like I said, like I'm a, I'm a youth worker. Um, and I think that sort of mentality I see a lot, a lot of times with other workers, with the youth that they work with, they think I'm going to lead this relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to respect me. I don't get to talk to them directly, but I see it in other agencies I work with, but I do talk about people at my own work. And I, we discuss like, how do you build a relationship? And it's very similar to parenting. I say like, it's a two way, but at the same time, trust me, they're dictating it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be different on your your end. Like you're not going to get the same respect that you demand. 
right? If you're going to try to demand, you're going to have to give more than you're going to get. Yes. And as a parent, it's absolute. And especially with differing with younger kids, right? Like you're not going to get what you think. And you hear a lot of things like that. Well, they got to, they got to respect me. Like, no, they don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to respect them because you're older and they're going to slowly respect the fact that you're respecting them. And that's how it works because they're kids. Right. To your point, you really have to be able to understand that. And even in a field where it's, you should know that happens all the time. I hear all those conversations. Oh, well, they just, they won't listen to little details. I work for the ministry, which is basically the same as working for the, for the state, but I work for Ontario, like the the government of Ontario, you could say. Okay. But before I did that, I worked in uh, residential care. So I worked uh, with 12 to 18 year old boys who were part of the, we call it foster, uh, foster. I'm just trying to think what you would call in the States, but uh, basically kids who, uh, were had foster parents, but then they struggled within those homes. Okay. So they would live in residential homes. Group homes, kind of. Group homes. Yeah. yeah, group homes. We call them girls and boys homes here. Girls and boys homes. And similar. I worked at a boys home. Mm-hmm. So I got to witness a lot of relationship building, right? Where I, And I got to witness, witness a lot of failure <laughs> in relationship building from, from staff that thought the other way around, which was they're going to respect me. Mm-hmm. That's not it. You know, it's not it at all. Like they're not going to respect you. You have to uphold your respect for them until they trust you. Right. Absolutely. You have to build that foundation. Yeah. And they're not going to play by the same rules as you. Right. I've been called all sorts of names. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> by the ones the ones who truly respected me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ones who cared about how I felt. But they're kids. You know, like they're not going to express anger the same way me and you do. And we can't expect them to. And when you put those expectations in the field or your or your own stepchildren or your own children. To, to act the way you're going to act. It just doesn't work out for you. <laughs> then you're going to end up with frustration. Yeah, it's like we put expectations on the kids to know how to deal with situations that we even struggle with how to deal with. Right. And how quick do we forget what it was like to be children? I think a lot of times, right? And I had to remind myself of that all the time when I was working in, in the residential sector, just to remind myself of what it's like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I wasn't easily tamed either. And I think stepmoms particularly need to try to do that more. Because I know when we were struggling so much, I didn't think about what those kids were going through. And honestly, I didn't care. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds horrible, but no, no, I get it. I was wrapped up in my own issues so much that I could only see that they were causing my issues. Yeah. But once I became more self-aware, which you've mentioned several times, I realized I was the one leading the ring of dysfunction. There's an interesting story. It's not really a story, but I remember reading about... um, reading about it. And I, like I said, I had lots of conversations with other workers. I feel like a lot of times my uh, role as a supervisor, even though it's not my my actual role, I feel like I do a lot of that. But I would always talk to um, other workers and I, I would talk about this story about, um, I'm not sure who it was, but it was a National Geographic photographer or something like that. But he was able to go into the jungle and you get all these wonderful pictures of all the wildlife, the, um, the gorillas and leopards or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the other photographers were blown away and they said, like, well, how do you do that? And the photographer said, I don't carry a gun. You know, and it, it always draws me back to the situations like that. Like, you have to drop everything, how you feel, what's motivating you, mm-hmm. all the past experiences. And it was really prevalent in res- in residential care because I would talk to staff after something would happen. A youth would have a, we call it a blow up, you know. And I, I would tell them that story and it kind of would hit home. It's to my point is that you can't come in armed, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we do do that a lot. I did it all the time. I, I had really bad days where I was. Just, I wasn't the worker that I wanted to be, but that's because I came in with everything. I came in with the uh, experience that had happened to me, like much like yourself, I imagine, when you had, you know, no fault of your own, but for that period of time, 
you felt attacked. And then when you do that and you have all those experience and you come in with that gun, like the photographers would do in, in, in the jungle, you, you can't experience it because you aren't, mm-hmm. you know, and kids are professionals <laughs> at looking for your weakness. <laughs> oh, and they're going to push your buttons and see how far they can push you. And especially if they just say, for instance, your daughter, if this is the third relationship she's seen you in, right. then she's going to be afraid that Steph's going to leave too. Yeah, she could be. So she's not going to be as willing to bond with Steph because in her head, she's thinking she'll be gone in a couple of years anyway. Right. Yeah. So that's what she carries. She could. Carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was always very careful. I know you're just using it as an example, but in yeah. my case, she never met anybody but Steph. And I dated for five years, probably. Mm-hmm. But I was always concerned. I never, I just didn't want my daughter to hold that. There was going to be consistency in her life. I wanted, I wanted that for just consistency. I had witnessed a lot of friends or family members where they would bring in partners a lot. Yeah. And no fault of their own. Like they didn't have ill intention. They absolutely thought it was going to last forever. Right. Right. But it just didn't. And, and you know, that inconsistency can really hurt. Like you said, it gives them that perspective that what, well, what's going to be constant in my life. And then I think kids internalize constantly yes so now it's their fault mm-hmm. must have been something i did yeah well let me ask you this how far away does the bio mom live from y'all oh i would say about i'm gonna convert to miles here i think it's about twice right so far okay so i'm gonna say about i don't know four miles four miles oh so it's not far at all it's not very far no okay the particular town i live is not a big town mm-hmm. population's around fifty thousand. well the reason i ask is because mm-hmm. i'm thinking if you pick your daughter up from school at 4 30 mm-hmm. go home try to cook you know what time do you have to leave your house to get her to her mom's on time well if you knew my daughter <laughs> <laughs> I got to take out about an hour and a half. Um, by the most, 6.15, you know, just to play it safe. You know, and of course, when you receive a pretty aggressive letter, you want to be certain that you're there before 6.30. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm talking timeline. I get home at 4.45 mm-hmm. most of the time. I mean, you know, kids dawdle, you know, so you go pick them up, take them 15 minutes to get in the car sometimes. So it's just an hour and a half, right? To make the meal, have the meal, and then bond. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. Right. Now, God forbid if you didn't feed her before you took her home. Right. You'd be getting a really ugly letter. <laughs> or McDonald's. Like, I mean, for a time, for a period of time there, it was, it was even worse. So there was a 530. That's the sort of restrictions, you know, and that's where I struggle, right? Best interests of child. And and not to get back in this, but. No, you're fine. But my, you know, my ex will claim that all the time. And it's like, well, those aren't the best interests of, of your daughter to spend 20 minutes with her dad. Right. And I would have to like, I'm, I'm talking pick her up at four and have her home by 530. So what would I have to do? I'd have to go to Subway or McDonald's or anything, right? Just to make that happen. Was your ex or is your ex in another relationship? Yes. And she's still this bitter? <laughs> yes. I don't know what part is the bitterness. I'll say that I'll go in her defense for for a few minutes here. Okay. When she did, not to say she should still be bitter, and I absolutely think there should be separation. But when she did get pregnant, I mean, I made a lot of promises, right? And this and the daughter that we share is her second, and she was already in one relationship, and that obviously wasn't successful. She got in a relationship with me. Uh, we had this child, and of course, I think the bitterness more in lies with the idea that she's uh, now a mom to uh, two girls with two different dads and she's very big on appearances right and so I, I empathize with that i think that's where a lot of the bitterness lies however it's been smooth sailing and, and it's just been a great relationship between me and my daughter for seven years so i don't know you know like when does that go away i, I don't know and it, part of me just thinks speaks to the character because it's been such a long time like it's like I, I can't imagine she's still better and she's with somebody who fits the bill like i said we dated we were dating three weeks in i remember exactly because who doesn't when you get sad yeah on your on on the front porch and she said, you know, I'm pregnant. Okay. Did you wonder if it was yours? No, no, I never did that. Okay. No, I, I, 
I never had to wonder about that. Okay. But, you know, of course, like I said, I was pretty wild. Like, and, and that was, you know, I had lots of things going on, addictions, mental health stuff. It's like I said, another podcast. So when I, <laughs> when I, when I got clean, and this is like right, not right before, but a year before I met her, when you have that very wild life, you have no consistency in it. You burn all your bridges. You, no one really trusts or respects you. And you come out the other side and this person wants to have this child. With you. you know, and it seems like the most normal thing to do. And of course, I think I was 32 at the time. So I was longing for a family. I never said that I was, you know, of course, you know, mm-hmm. but I was. And so this happened. Of course, I made a lot of promises, but of course I did. What was I going to say? No, I, I'm not <laughs> with you, you know, like, because she has claimed that, like I didn't, I wasn't honest with her. I'm like, well, I don't know how I could have been. And to be honest, at the time I thought, I was being honest, but I wasn't in the best place mentally. When you come out all that damage, you got, you need time to heal. Right. And you didn't intentionally lie to her. No, I don't think so. I think I had full intent Mm -hmm. that we were star-crossed lovers and this was an amazing thing. And, you know, and then, then we, what, what happened was I thought it was the right thing to do, which was to move in, right? Well, we're going to have a baby. I should move in now. Why not? I'm going to move in the day of. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Unfortunately, like we both understood that this probably wasn't a healthy situation for the daughter that she had. Right. But, you know, when, well, once again, probably not the best decision. We probably should have kind of sought out advice or something. Should I move in right away or should it take time? Maybe I should move in the day the baby. Maybe there's needed to be more time. But anyway, beside the point, I moved in. Mm-hmm very quickly. And I lived with this person and we were oil and water. The thing I remember most of the whole relationship was we never laughed ever, you know, and that's just a huge sign. Like it just wasn't going to work. Did I handle that? Well, did I vocalize things? Well, did I communicate? No, I basically just separated myself from the relationship. I wasn't fun to be around. I was stressed out. Like I said, I was going back to school. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm thinking like I'm redoing my whole life and here I am with all this responsibility and fine. I wanted it. I welcomed it, but I don't think that was a healthy way to look at it. I think a healthier person at that time would have said, oh gosh, mm-hmm. this is a lot. So I took on a lot and we basically, I, she just asked me one day, you know, do you love me? And it was, she was seven to eight months pregnant. And I said, no, because uh, I said, I said to myself, like, I'm not going to lie right. at this point. And then it was, it was hard because I mean, she's pregnant with my child. How tough is that? And she kicked me out, you know, and of course I got, I understood it. And anyway, a month later, she has a baby and I moved back in and I wasn't feeling any differently. And 20 days after the birth of my child was back out because, um, the same situation arised again, where I said, you know, I, I don't, I'm sorry. Like I'm trying. So yeah, she may be bitter about that. I th- I don't think she ever assumed her life was going to be having two children with two different dads. She is with right. a partner now. And yeah. And like, I, like we were all on the water, but she gets along with this, this man. Good. Wonderfully. Like it's a perfect fit. So I don't know. I don't know if it's bitterness or it's just, that's who she is. But like I said, it's funny because, you know, Steph will be like, well, tell me about her. You know, what was she like? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. We couldn't get along for me to find out. <laughs> we didn't get along. And we were only together for seven months. Mm-hmm. And, and it felt like we weren't together. We were just forced in the situation. So it could just be her, just the way she interacts. And I've gotten to know her more through sharing this child, right? And it's all been very negative. And it just doesn't feel like it's the best interest. I've, I've said to her, because we used to text <laughs> until we had to cut all communication with another letter from our lawyer. But I, we used to <laughs> chat on turn text, right? How weird is that? Um, we really wouldn't talk face to face. It's just very strange. But anyway, we would chat and I'd say to her, look, look, like if I was going for access 50, 50, and you said to me with, with genuineness, I can't do it. Okay. I love my daughter too much. And every time you take her out here, it's killing me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd rather do 60, 40 right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my daughter said, you know, same dad. And I've always said this to her. I said, if my daughter 
if we get this a new agreement, it's 50, 50. And she comes to me and says, dad, I don't want 50, 50. In fact, I want to sleep at mom's house every night. Mm-hmm. Fine. I'll like, I'll never let my motivation dictate the best interests of like, or change it. And I said that to her, like, look, if you're genuine, I would get that. Right. But it doesn't seem like it's coming from a place of best interest. It seems like it's coming. I'm going to, I'm going to get my pound of flesh. Well, I could understand that better if this was her first child. Right. But it's not. No. The big fight for me was I would, I wanted during the weekdays to have her overnight because of course that, like I said, that four o'clock to six 30, such a rush. Right. Um, she never, she wants to stay here. She wants to put her, put her brother down to bed anyway. So that, that was a big one. Her other daughter stays overnight at her father's during the week. And I, and I communicated this where they say, do you realize that you're, you're having a different agreement with the other daughter? And that and my daughter mm-hmm. looks at that. She may not communicate it, but she's a very perceptive, clever child. Any child is that looks at that and says, why can I not? And I said to her, she's going to start internalizing that and thinking it's me because her sister spends overnights during the week at her dad's. Well, I hate to say this, but it sounds like your ex would rather her think that than think it's her. And you know what? That that perspective, I've never heard that. And you might be right. I'm sure when your daughter tells her, I want to spend the night at daddy's. I'm sure she doesn't like that. Yeah. And I don't know what it's like in Canada, but it depends on the state here. Mm -hmm. When the child's requests are taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. My son always thought that for some reason that at 14, he could decide if he wanted to go to his dad's or not. Well, that's not how it works. No. He's 15 and a half now. And in our most recent court thing, they did put in there that both parties will take the child's request into consideration. Right. You know, he's almost 16 years old. Yeah. And I've always done that. You're right. I've always said, okay, well, if you want to go see your dad's family the week after Christmas, that's fine. Yeah, of course. So we learned up until Jackson was able to express more of what he wanted right. as far as times was it's best to stick to the court order. Yeah. And Jackson wanted to go to a football game or something, and his dad told him that he would have to make up the time. And Jackson's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because my attorney said the time's not for the parent, it's for the child. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. When my daughter was younger, she would come over and she would say, Dad, I'm three or four years old. I want to see Mom. I miss her. Okay, you know, you're going back. That's fine. I said to myself before all, like, I would never make her feel as though she had to compromise her own feelings on where she is, right? So if, you know, she wants to take 12 of her toys out of this house, <laughs> I know I'm never mm-hmm. going to see again. Those are her toys. And it's the same with, uh, you know, it's access. If she wants to go home at midnight because she misses mom so much, she's going to go home. And I shouldn't have to get that made up. That's called best interest of the child. To me, it's just normal thinking. <laughs> right. You know, why, why would I ever put my my own child in a predicament where she feels she has to change her feelings so that she can appease me. And Jordan, I said it a minute ago, I am so impressed with you. And I had talked to one of my ex's girlfriends along the way. And she told me, she said, it used to break my heart when Jackson was little. And he'd say, I just want my mommy. Yeah. And she said that my ex would go, let's do this, let's do that. Or your mom's busy or just whatever, something to distract him. Mm -hmm. But he would never let him call me. Yeah. And I remember the first Christmas, this still breaks my heart, Mm -hmm. that my son had to go to his dad's. He was supposed to be at his dad's. Mm -hmm. Come to find out he actually stayed with his dad's dad oh, right. and like slept with the aunt in the bed at night. And no, no, no. yes, I mean, and we're talking young. 
Yeah. He, he might have been two. Oh, right. Yeah. And I got Jackson back. And of course, I had the crappiest Christmas because I didn't have my baby. And yeah, of course. I got all wound up in my feelings. And I got him back Christmas Day. And I was so excited. <laughs> my son was livid with me. Oh, I bet. He would not look at me. Right. Yep. He would walk out of his room and shake his finger at me and say, no. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And go back to his room. And I cried like a baby. And I called my dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, you know. <laughs> and so my dad comes over on his way home from work that day. And he came over and he was talking to Jackson. He says, show me your Christmas tree. And Jackson's like, okay. Well, they walk out and Jackson sees me and just screams no again. Yeah, yeah. And I really feel like it's because he felt like I abandoned him and well, yeah. dumped him off to these people that yeah. he's sleeping in a house he doesn't know, in a bed with somebody he doesn't know. and That's just terrible, yeah. And he only, he think you've made all his deci- like decisions in his life, so of course he thinks that's you're, you're making that call. Right. That's like, and he's mad. Mom, mom's doing this to me. And you mentioned in the beginning that you don't tell your daughter, well, I have to take you back because of the court order. Yeah. Right or wrong, I always told my son that was why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when he was little, you know, I mean, his life's been dictated from a, by a court order from the time he was born. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when he would say, I not want to go, I not want to go, I'd say, baby, I'm sorry, yeah. but the judge thinks you need to go to your daddy. And he told me I have to make you go. Right, right. Yeah. And I remember one time Jackson had a little friend over. He might have been like four. Mm-hmm. And the friend said, you can come to my house this weekend. He said, nope, the judge says I got to go to my daddy's. <laughs> And then, of course, at some point, his dad decided to read the court papers to him to explain how much child support he pays. And I mean, my son was almost five, I guess, at the time, and he could recite the court paper, you know, section G, da, 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 da. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. now, I granted, I know I told him that there was a court order, but I didn't go in that depth with it. No, of course not. And I think like you, you knew that that was going to get it was going to yeah. be brought up anyway. And it's good that, you know, like at least you're like transparent. Right. Right. The only reason we don't really say anything is it's never been talked about. Right. And that's the only reason, because I think it's, it's that's fair, to be honest. And if, if you know, on the other end, that dad, there's going to mention it <laughs> or it's going to be or what for whatever reason. But like well, the only reason I don't I haven't t- chatted about it because she has no idea we're even in court. Right. And I like to keep that illusion. <laughs> right. You don't want her to know you're in court per se, but yeah. to me, you do want her to know that you're not taking her back because you want to. Well, you're right. And that's where, and to be honest, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I struggle with that. And that's why I did communicate with my ex to say, look, I'm, I'm not lying for you anymore. Mm-hmm. Her sister goes to her dad's on the weekday, stays the night. Your Our daughter is asking to stay the night. I said, what do you want me to do? You know, and I think the response I got was, LOL. <laughs> I tell my daughter the truth. Anyway, I thought, Jesus. <laughs> and there's no telling what she's telling her. No, you, you never know. I mean, the really, I know on a lighter note, the one thing that she did tell her was why we broke up, I think, or that I broke up with her. I remember having to answer that question. Um, anyway. <laughs> and, then that, and the kids shouldn't be involved in all that. No, like I always say, like, you know, well, me, you know, me and Steph love each other in a certain way and me and mommy lo- love each other in another way. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have you and we did. And that was great. And now we're friends, you know, but not yeah. specifics. And she definitely told her. And then I remember her asking me, but well, mommy told me that you broke up with <laughs> She was like five years old. And you could tell your daughter, you don't have to say your mom's a witch and won't let me keep you overnight, but you can just say, I'd love to keep you overnight, Yeah, but your mommy doesn't think that's best. And I do that now. Yeah. And 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 I do because I, like, I, I that's why I communicate. I said, you got, you're not leaving me many options here. So I'm going to have to tell her it's your choice. And like she said, LOL, 
I tell her the truth anyway. I said, all right. And I think that's perfect because yeah. you need your daughter to know that she can trust you. Yeah. And you don't ever want her to think you don't want her. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. But she's going to grow up and she's going to resent her mom. Well, karma is coming. Yep. She is going to be like, you kept me from my dad. You let my sister go stay the night at her dad's. Yeah. But you wouldn't let me stay the night with my dad. Yeah. And if you met my daughter, she, <laughs> she's she's going to call you out. Calls out my mom all the time. <laughs> <laughs> You said Tuesday I could have these cookies. Friday, so <laughs> you need to get those out of the drawer. <laughs> you told me no. when I was two that when I turned four I could get a bike without training wheels. That's right. So yeah, I'm counting on it. And I and I I always think karma's for the person. Like I I've had it. I've dealt. I've been dealt a big hand of karma because mm-hmm. I treated people very poorly for a very long time in my twenties. My thing with karma is it's just it's going to teach you how to live life. <laughs> Right. Show you you can't live that way. And I and I think it's coming. And it's not even uh that I want it. Well, part of me does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> part of me does. But like I think it's gonna happen. I will never openly discuss things with my daughter that revolve around court. But if she's, you know, 16, 17 and she asks me, I'm gonna tell her mm-hmm. with as much discretion as I can. Right. Not details, but if she's gonna say that, is it true that when you know when I was seven that you wanted more time with me? Absolutely I did. Right. I'm never go out and say it. I won't I won't want to to feel that, but she's if she asks, of course. And that's the thing is when they ask, you owe it to them to be honest. I think so, yeah. And you can do that in a way that's not bashing anybody. No. Facts are not attacks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and you owe it to them, right? Transparency, like to your kids. I mean, that's that's the one thing I wish my parents did more of. Mm-hmm. But like I know the old the old school way of parenting was keep your kids dark with, yeah. with adult issues. And I think we grow up as adults. I don't know. That's kind of off topic, but like, you know, we sometimes kids need a little do- dose of healthy reality. Yeah. They need to know that it's hard to pay bills. They need to know that it's yeah. the worst thing I think for a child is to go, my parents got divorced and I don't understand. They never fought. Yeah. They did fight. They fought like cats and dogs where you couldn't see it. It's almost like keeping reality from your kid. Yeah. And I don't think it's helpful. Mm-mm. And you know, if she does, if she comes and asks, and like you said, it's just straight, it's facts. It's this is what happened. I'm not giving my opinion on the situation, but yes, I absolutely because I do. I, and, and honestly, I wanted to know. I've always said this to Steph that at the end of the day, if I get not the access that I want, and I won't, I'm going to have to sacrifice uh, what I think is the best interest of my child in court. And I don't, and I got to pay more. End of the day, we fought. Mm-hmm. And I want my daughter to know that, that I wanted, not the money side, I could care less, but right. to see her more. We did. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for her to know that. Yeah. I mean, she might not know that ever, or she might, when she's 16, she might ask, but she knows. At the end of that's the most important thing to me. I want her to know that, that we try. Right. Because I imagine all sorts of things are going to come on. I imagine I could, I could have been saying the wrong things to her and she could be internalizing mm-hmm. that she felt like dad didn't want me. And all these feelings will come up for her. I'm sure. Right. Not at all, but you, you know what I mean? Like I, I want her to know, okay, he fought. He tried. Exactly. My dad wanted me. Yeah. So are you in court now to try to get 50-50 or are you just in court because the ex is trying to get back child support? No. So it's interesting because I know that on their side, they're saying I'm trying to get access because they're they're asking for all this back child support and looking for more going forward. But the, the thing is, I put a motion in. Well, I didn't get to put put it in, but I was in the process of putting a motion in for access before any of this came to light. The only reason I got a lawyer, because I was going to do the motion myself, 
to get more access because it was pretty straightforward. And then I got served, but all these financial things. And I thought, well, I'm way out of my depth. Mm -hmm. I need to get a lawyer. So yeah. So looking for both, but primarily access. I Money's money. Uh, it's, it's hard because we're trying to get ahead and we have limited funds. And when the other side takes home 250 a year and my girlfriend's on mat leave and we're not mm -hmm. taking a fifth of what they're taking and they want uh, whatever we could put because we right now we rent mm -hmm. um, and the market in Ontario I don't know if it's the same in the states but it's outlandish right now it's yeah so we're trying to save for down payment that five years ago we would have that in place but because the market has just gone bananas we have to go up a little farther so anyway it's not about the money I care less it's that we can't get ahead right forking all this money over that they don't need and I said that my issue with the back child support is that I'll give you a math equation, see if you can figure it out. Because the okay. great physicist, physicist in the time, and I, I know I'm talking about finance is personal, but I think it's important to understand. Like at one point in time, I, I, I was taking a home about two thousand, and I was mm -hmm. renting for thirteen hundred. Mm -hmm. So with and this is monthly, obviously, so seven hundred. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, they were looking for four hundred and fifty dollars. So you tell me, when I was on my own, where do I support my daughter, pay for gas, food, more importantly than not? <laughs> With $250 a month. Right. And this is why I say with the court system, why does that story not ring out to a judge? Why does it not pierce that judge's thoughts where he or she says no? And on top, you're not getting that back, child. So on top of that, it seems very beside the point, or maybe I'm not saying this right, but that child was supported. Right. So yeah. I have an issue sometimes with back child. I don't have an issue for say if I'm like if I'm out doing construction again and I'm taking home 150 a year and I'm out on a pipeline and I'm laughing myself up because I'm making 10 grand a month. Mm -hmm. Okay, for sure. Get after me because you deserve that money, but not when you make five times as much and not when the child is already supported. So what do you want from that? And not also when the father was paying for the clothes, for the ballet, even struggling, mm -hmm. all these sort of things, right? So it's, yeah, it's not so much about the money. It's just the fact that it's not right. <laughs> I'm surprised with your ex making so much money. Mm -hmm. I guess she makes that amount of money, not her partner. So yeah, my ex makes... She makes about 100 and the partner makes about 150. Okay. So does your court system take into account her significant others? No, I'll tell you when they do. So this might not be the best analogy, but let's say her significant other was making a certain amount of money to the point where they were living this luxury lifestyle, which they kind of, right. <laughs> yeah. but like very dramatically different from the lifestyle that I'm living. Mm -hmm. Then they take that in consideration and say, the lifestyle she has over there should be the same as the lifestyle she has over here. So now we're going to consider the other person's income. So they use it as a reference point. Okay. Um, but they don't take it into consideration unless it's very dramatic, right? That's what I've been told anyway. Right. But even on, even if you don't take in the significant other, in my case, still make it three times as much on our own. Right. So I'm surprised that you're having to pay any child support at all. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and back child support, right? At that. There's two sides. Sort of first, I want to see my daughter equally. So when you tell me, well, I need your money because you don't buy lunches. And I say, well, I want to buy lunches, you know, or you don't do this and you're not partaking in this. And I need that money because of that. Well, I want to. And I've always communicated, say, let's come up with something fair. You figure out over a year what the expenses are or close to it. I'll pay it. If it's going to my daughter, I got no issue. Right. But when you just want a guideline amount that I haven't, you won't let me access and you won't let me pay for other things because you won't give me the time, then there, I have some issue with that. It sounds like she may not want you to have extra time with your daughter because it would lower her child support. Possible. And here's the thing as well. And here's where the frustration lies. I've said to my lawyer, I said, put it in writing. I don't care if she makes 300000 a year and we get 50-50. I don't want her money. Right. And, and I don't want it. And I said, if we can put that in the, and they said, it won't matter. 
<laughs> it's like, why won't it matter? You know, it might change, it might persuade her. Cause you're right. I think about that all the time. She doesn't want it 50, 50, cause then she gets no money. Right. Um, and I, and I know my ex, I know what drives her. It's the reason why we didn't get along very well. Part of it anyway, it was because it's all about status. It's all about what street you live on. Right. So if my money's going into, you know, maybe a car payment mm-hmm. and that's my struggle. You know, I said, I've said to her, you know, if you need it, if I absolutely thought you needed it, I would go without. Mm-hmm. If you ever communicate to me genuinely, I need this money. No problem. But when, when I witness on the other end, this is the time and I'm literally going to food banks, literally, mm-hmm. because I, to supplement food, because what do I, back to the math equation without the support in place, $700 a month, that's right. Try it. So I'm going to food banks and I, on the other end, my daughter's going to Disneyland, San Francisco, Disneyland again. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. that's just, that's tough. And once again, if it was me on the other side, a man doing that, going into court saying, yeah, we went you know, to Disneyland twice and I took my daughter to San Francisco. Oh, I know my ex is going to food banks and can barely survive, but I want, I want back child. I want all her money. It's not right. hundred percent. And like, I, I know the other side. Sometimes, you know, that's why I say like, if you don't know me, I sound, disc- I could sound disgruntled. Just pay the support, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just pay it. That's what you're supposed to do. I said, like, look at the whole picture, at least. I couldn't afford to back then. And to right. go back and moving forward, like, I got no, I don't want to. The reason why I'm paying child support, obviously, to support my child. I got, I don't mind paying that. My lawyer says, she told me, well, you're going to be perceived as not wanting to, to pay it. That's why you're getting 50-50, right? You don't want to pay it. I said, fine, I'll just pay it. I'll pay whatever they want. But it's her job to prove that you want your kid yep. and that it's not money motivated. Yeah, right. That's where I question, right? It's hard to, I think that's why a lot of lawyers get, a, not get away with, but we don't know. And then we don't know what the reality of the course is. Like you said, we're not, we're not at those bars after work and we're not at those those dinner tables. We don't know the, the whole story behind all these things. And I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory, but there's just truth to a lot of it. Right. Which is you have to trust your lawyer. What she says is true. And if she can't fight, she can't, but you don't know. And that's kind of where we're stuck. It's like, well, I don't mean to laugh, but the trust your lawyer. And what do they say about <laughs> right. lawyers and car salesmen? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So you're stuck in the situation. You got to trust someone that maybe perhaps not the most trustable, mm-hmm. but you, you have to, cause you have no choice. And then on top of that, I'll tell you what, when I, the first time, like I said, I got, I got a free lawyer and then I went and I worked, which was a mistake. Looking back, I, I probably shouldn't have gained, like I just got out of school and I wanted to work, of course. So I got a job, but I lost a free lawyer. And then when I went looking for a lawyer in the middle of the proceedings, I couldn't find one that would take my case because it was in the middle. So you also have that fear and I do included. I'm not super impressed with my lawyer at this point, mm-hmm. but I can't get rid of her because I won't be able to find representation. Right. And you'll have to start all over. I got to start all over. And if they take me, yeah. Like if, even if a lawyer will take me, which they wouldn't last time. Really? They wouldn't. Nope. I called any office I could. What was their reason? Because I was in the middle of proceedings. Because I had a lawyer up until a point, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because uh, it's a headache for them or that's or some sort of, I don't know what it was, but I of course called because terrified at that point. <laughs> I said, what am I going to do? So what happened was I had to fill out all my affidavits on my own. Uh, and I did that. And then, like I said before, I would, I went to court and I got duty counsel to represent me on that day. Mm-hmm. So I would show up at like eight o'clock in the morning. I would go visit this duty counsel for half an hour. He would go over what I had and then he would represent. But now the you know, Ontario government got rid of that role unless you make under 22,000. Right. So anyway, talk about a situation where you can't trust the person, you got to keep them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I know at the end of your court case, they have you sign an affidavit saying that you feel like you were represented fairly and all this crap. <laughs> but at the end, what are you going to do? 
But no. Exactly right. And what good is it going to do? And what good is it going to do? Yeah. When do you find out about your court case? I know here we have the temporary hearings and the blah, 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 and all that crap. And it takes forever. Same. We don't know, right? There's no specific timeline. We've been into actual, well, it's not actual right now. It's through a Zoom call, excuse me. And we call them case conferences. Okay. So I've had one case conference, which is, I'm sure, I'm sure you're aware, but I'll just say it anyway, where the two sides get together, there's a judge appointed to the case and both sides argue or not argue, but you know, go back and forth a little bit on their, their points and what they want. And then the judge makes not a ruling, but kind of says, okay, well, everybody let's come back in two months and you fix this and you change this and kind of gives a little advice, but not much. Mm -hmm. So we got to wait till the next one. And in between, because I've kind of, kind of got to the point where like, I don't, I'll just pay whatever. And I know I'm going to sacrifice the 50-50. My ex did say that I could I could get the um, the Tuesday nights, the overnight. So they did give me a little there. So I kind of I'm going to cut my losses. I'm looking to resolve. So it could be as soon as a month. But of course, you know, I had to what I what I believe sacrifice best interests of my daughter. But I know I'm not going to get it. So I'm just trying to just trying to get it done. And that's so frustrating. It should be a place we I shouldn't be there, right? No, we shouldn't have to be in the situation where you just want to get it over with. Right. And honestly, that's what happened at my uh, mediation last time. Yeah. I just wanted it done. I was yeah. tired of thinking about it, tired of getting the emails, tired of fighting about it. Just be done. It's awful. And at the end of the day, like I said, I said to um, Steph, I was like, I would rather pay a number I don't believe in than talk about this shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I want my daughter more. Like I said, she's seven right now. I do know that I'm going to put another motion in for more access, but when she can talk for herself. So it's not the end of the road. Now, when will they let her talk for herself? Because here, if there's like an issue, say, for instance, the dad's been found neglectful in certain ways, then a guardian ad litem is what they call them, are assigned to the child to almost represent them. Okay. To be honest, I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't looked into it. Mm -hmm. So what is the age then? Sorry. They'll listen to the guardian ad litem. They never let the child talk to the judge. Now, when I say never, mm -hmm. I'm sure there are cases where maybe abuse cases or things like that, that the child does talk to the judge. But, you know, my son said, I need to talk to the judge. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't work that way. And the whole guardian ad litem thing is just like the everything else with it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. So I don't know. I was hoping at some point that there would be some sort of, at least like a statement that she could make or something, but I really haven't looked that far. I guess that's just what I'm hoping. That's why I'm kind of trying to just resolve it so that I have hopes that in the future that she'll at least be able to communicate some way. Cause you're right. They won't let, she wouldn't be able to speak in the proceedings. Right. Do you think that your ex would agree to maybe you getting an extra night? Like you get her Tuesday after school and you keep her till Thursday morning? No. <laughs> no. Because I mean, it, this, the original offer kind of was on, on those lines. Um, mm -hmm. She made it very vocal to the judge that she would give these Tuesday nights, but would not budge again. She's made up all sorts of fabricated stories about why, um, which includes sleep disorders that my daughter has. And this, this is really hurtful that due to my my son being born, which is, in, and you know, and I have an open dialogue with my daughter. My daughter is very closed off, not closed off, but she doesn't, when things bother her, she doesn't really talk, right? Mm -hmm. About it. But I ask roundabout ways, you know, like, uh, honey, are you excited about the new baby being born or blah, blah, blah? Are you worried about? him taking your room or just stuff like to get her talking and then she'll talk and she's never shown one sign mm -hmm. of any of that. And the sleep disorder thing, I mean, she pees the bed and she's afraid at night. Okay. Like, like is that, does that sound like a disorder? Um, it seems pretty normal to me and right. that's it. And I think really it comes down to once, once you get a lawyer in place and you don't have a case for anything, we better come up with something. 
It's stupid. Yeah. And see, the way I look at it is, okay, if the sleep disorder was such an issue, then I'd fight hell and high water for her not to spend the night with you even one night. Absolutely. And why I've never heard about it. Right. Never heard of one thing. You care so much. Yeah. Why was it brought up? It actually blew my mind when when she was speaking to the judge, I thought. And I got a chance to rebuttal. um, And I just said, you know, uh, that'd be the first time hearing of it. <laughs> and we would like proof of this. And my lawyer is not completely not doing her job. Um, so she did send a letter over saying we, we would like the professional doctor to give his advice on the situation. Right. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I talked to my lawyer. I said, this is not even true. Right. Yeah. But just using anything. So, you know, I tried to get more time during the week, like close to that situation, you know, take her home on a Tuesday, bring her back to school on a Thursday or something. It makes more sense. And it's more fluid because mm-hmm. on, on the one week I have a Tuesday night and then I pick her back up Thursday. Why not just bring her back? Right. Nope. Can only have the one night. It's all I can live with. Very dramatic. And then of course that sleep thing came up as she had to have something. Yeah. I guess that's the only thing I can think of because it's been nothing but fantastic. There is nothing there. She knows that at any point in time, she gets to go home. Right. So and it never happens. She's excited to be here. She wants to see her brother. So you've taught her that if you ask me and want to go home, yeah. I will send you. Yeah. Whereas Baya Mom's teaching her, if you say you want to spend more time with your dad, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I can't speak for my daughter communicating that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my daughter, she's always known to home. since so she pleases, right? Both parties. It is mm-hmm. possible that she's not telling us. I see it when she's being deceptive, right? Like <laughs> She's so almost empathic. Like she's so sensitive that she'll say things like, daddy, oh. 630 is just too early, but she doesn't, she just wants to make me feel like she wants to stay. Like, I know she's doing that, right? Like, like she does that. So I could see her being over at mom's and not saying that. So I do give her that, but I, I could see her saying, you know, mommy, I just want to spend more time with you. Mm-hmm. So there is a possibility that that's going on. But my, my thing is like, see through that. I can see through that. Right. Like your mom, come on. You know that she's going to say whatever she wants to me to make me feel okay. That's just the, that's the girl she is. Um, She wants to make sure I'm okay. Right. You know, and I've never like alluded that I'm not, but maybe I have. The kids are perceptive. You know, and, mm-hmm. and and see through that, you know, so maybe she's never communicated. My thing is like, of course she won't. Right. You know, but come on, you know, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really do hope that you can get things resolved. I hate that you feel like that you're having to just give in. Yeah. No, and I appreciate you giving me a chance to speak here because I think it's, I wanted uh, some sort of platform. I think when Steph came to me and said, you know, they want a male's perspective and I jumped at the chance, it's been great because we just don't get a chance to talk about it. So it's nice. Right. And I'm so glad you did because we do hear all the time, we need to hear more men's side. We need to hear more men's sides. But a lot of men are like, nah, I'm just not too comfortable talking about all this. And oh, I get it. You know, and, and I think it helps that I do this for a living and not the same aspect, but I talk about feelings and perspective. Right. And, you know, a lot. Yeah. So I think it's pretty comfortable for me, but I can understand it. We don't really, men don't grow up in that culture, right? Like we definitely don't talk about our feelings. Uh, even, you know, yeah, like I grew up as a man's man in a lot of sense. I was always a little different because I had two sisters. I don't know if that plays a big part, but I've always had that side of me. And it, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have to say it like that, but you know, more open with how I feel in my, in my feelings and stuff like that. But I also played that role too, because you kind of play it to survive, right? I worked in construction in a town where that was, we're blue collar town. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and men, you know, we talk about Sunday night football. Yeah. <laughs> we, we definitely don't, we don't talk about how you're feeling and like, you know, like that, that sort of mentality. And I think that's just, 
Men want to. Right. They just don't know how. Well, and they want to help other men. They do. But again, they get frustrated with the court system. Yeah. And it's, okay, well, I can help other people, but then I'm going back through this crap again over and over in my head. And I call it post-traumatic stepmom disorder. <laughs> Whereas when David and I tried to do our podcast years ago, I couldn't do it because the right. memories made it feel like it just happened again. Right. I had to realize that it was in the past and put the right emotional weight on it. And at the same time, realize that by me sharing my story, as painful as it was, I was still helping people. Yeah, I think you're right. Like you have to uh, heal. Like I, like I mentioned before, I had like, I work, I'm in the helping field because I struggled with addictions and my mental health was connected to my addictions, but I had to get to a place where I was trying to legitimately help people and not just exercise. I wasn't just talking about my past cathartically. I was using it as a tool to help people. And I wasn't so emotionally connected to it. And I think you have to find that space first. Right. As a testimony. Yeah, absolutely. Because people need to hear it. You know, I'm very open when I need to be in my field. Um, but only, I think I ask that question all the time, is it going to be helpful? Right. I don't really talk about my past very often because it's not always helpful. But if a youth or anyone is struggling, and I think a lot of times people just feel like they're broken. Mm-hmm. They see people like such as myself that looks very put together now, and they just can't imagine their future looking like that. And then it's important to be open and say, no, I've been there. Right. And if they can look at you and say, wait a minute, this dude went through this, 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 and this, and look where he is now. Right. It's huge. Right. It gives them hope. If you're going to climb Mount Everest, do you want to talk to somebody who wrote about it or do you want to talk to somebody who climbed Mount Everest? Right. Like it's, you got to have hope. Hope's important. Exactly. Just like the whole stepmom coaching thing. Do you want a stepmom coach that has succeeded in the blend or do you want one that's fighting in the trenches now, still trying to figure out what to do? (laughs) You don't go to Weight Watchers or whatever, or a personal trainer that they need to lose weight themselves. No, because they're not aspiring to the same methods that they need to be, right? Absolutely. Right. I agree. Well, Jordan, I could talk to you all day long. Oh, I would love that. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I I really appreciate being on your on your show. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I really appreciate it too. And I'd love to have you back. Anytime. So we'll have to plan that maybe sometime next year. We'll have a Jordan comes back show. (laughs) I like the sound of that. Thanks very much. Well, thank you so much again. And we do wish you the best. And I know that little girl knows you love her and just keep remembering that. Thank you. I'm going to hang in there. We'll figure it out. There you go. And who knows, we might meet each other one day when we revamp the family court systems of the world. That would be a good day. And I would look forward to it. Thanks, Lori. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, David, I know you weren't a part of the interview with Jordan, but I have a question for you. Okay. Let's see. How do I ask this in a non-leading way? Hmm. Okay. Jordan's daughter will say, I want to stay with you tonight, Daddy. And the bio mom says, nah, not going to happen. The court order is he gets her from a certain time to a certain time. Mm -hmm. So the bio mom is following the court order. Right. Do you think that Jordan should say, A, well, we just can't do that tonight, honey. B, your mom won't let you. Or C, (laughs) the court order says I only get you from such and such time to such and such time. Or D, your mama's a butt and I can't get you anymore. (laughs) Definitely D. That's what I'm thinking. No. um, Honestly, it's C. Um, How old is she again? Seven. Seven. Okay. So she's old enough to have some grasp on what a court order might be if it's explained to her. And the reason why I would do this, and I wouldn't go down the whole path of why the court order is there and all that, but by telling her she can't stay, she's either thinking, most likely she's thinking, well, dad doesn't want me to stay. So I would certainly nix that. I'm like, look, 
it's not because I don't want you to stay, but you also don't want to start bashing and demonizing her mom. Mm -hmm. And so it's just best to blame it on the court order. And see, we talk about this because, you know, he says, well, I can't tell her the court order. I was like, yes, you can. Yeah, I absolutely would do that. But here's the thing. You're not blaming it on the court order. That's true. It is the reality. Yeah, that's true. And I can catch a lot of heat for this, and I know that I probably will because, you know, that's what happens. But ever since Jackson was little, and I talk about this during the interview, he's known his life every other weekend, a week here, a week there, whatever, is dictated by a court order. Well, I, I think that it allows them to understand that you don't have full control of his schedule. Right. Otherwise, he's wondering, why am I doing this? Why are you making me do this and making me do that? Mm-hmm. It's not me. I'm following something that I'm legally obligated to follow. That's why it's happening. Right. And I'm, you can say that without bashing the other person. Exactly. And right. I think that takes a lot of pressure off the parent. And I also think that it allows the kid to understand that my parent is not making a decision about my schedule based on how they feel about me at the moment. Right. As much as I bash the family court system, y'all, a proper court order is to eliminate gray areas. Oh, yeah. And to keep the child's emotions from them playing the parents against each other as far as where they go when. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I have to say I'm really proud of Jackson here lately. He's told his dad, look, I want to stay here this weekend or I want to go home early. And he seems to not be getting as much slack from it. Yeah. Well, he's at the age now where he's able to drive himself to his dad's house. My kids did this when they got to the point where they were driving. They had jobs. They had school. They had all these other things going on. And so to some degree, I would allow them to pick what they were doing. Now, they didn't have free run to do everything. But if they wanted to go to their mom's a little bit early or come over here a little bit early or whatever that the case was, then I didn't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like, look, once you're hitting that 16-year-old age and you've got a driver's license, I need to start, and this is just me and my parenting, but I need to start allowing you to take responsibility for what you do and when you do it and where you do it. And I'd rather them have that freedom from 16 to 18. So it gives me two years to parent and guide that decision-making process until they get out, you know, 18 on their own. And all of a sudden they hadn't had any responsibility and they don't know how to handle everything. Right. And so that was, that was my thought process and the way I parented mine may not be for everybody, but it worked out good for me. Definitely. All right, David. All right. That is our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening. We know it was a little longer than normal, but when things are good, you got to keep them going. That's right. (laughs) And join us next week when we have another man on our month of men. Yep. All righty. That is it for today. Join us next week, as she said. And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.